Hi, I'm Talia. And I'm Ehab. We are the hosts of Compassionate Conversations podcast. Which is all about honest and compassionate conversations around issues affecting young people from single parent households. We'll be hosting each episode where we speak to some amazing young people with inspiring stories. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media, Single Parents Wellbeing. Guys, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Ali, you can start. I'm not going to do a serious as well, if you can take No, go on, you start, Jake. Yeah, so my name's Jack. I'm 25 years old and I started this charity with Ollie. I think we're just over two years old now, but the actual concept has sort of been in place for maybe like five years, six yeah. years. Since. Yeah, long time. yeah, that is a long time, actually. What about yeah. you? Yeah, so my name is Ollie. I am also a quarter of a century. <laughs> and yeah, so I used to go to school with Jack. So I've known Jack yeah. for, for many, many years. And yeah, and we've just kind of like finished uni and I was just sort of heading out into the, the big wide world. Yeah. Did you meet in sixth form or before that? No, it was before sixth form. So I knew of Jack's existence. I never actually spoke <laughs> to him because he was like the other, like wasn't in my side of the school year. Yeah, um, I do only really been like close friends like sort of sick form age haven't we yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uni. so jack and i went to the same uni for those listening i did chemical engineering you did me- uh, mechanical aerospace. or aerospace yeah. aerospace that's yeah aerospace and ollie you did chemical as well didn't you yeah we did chemical yeah so yeah, yeah. what are you working as at the moment i am a tech consultant in ah, okay. Leeds, ah, okay. wc yeah. And to be honest, I'm still like working out what that actually means. <laughs> so that's your full time job, is it? Yeah, yeah, that's my full time job. And you're doing this charity alongside that? Yeah, so the charity stuff's kind of all done alongside. And then, you know, there's sort of enough people in the charity now that when we, we can sort of adapt to our sort of how demanding work is. Yeah. So, you know, if I've got intense training for how many other weeks, like I can take a step back from charity work and then pick it up when I've got more time as well. Yeah, yeah, so there's not that much pressure on you, is there? Well, there's four of us as trustees, so that's basically like... Yeah, what does, that, what does that actually mean? It's legally the people responsible for running the charity, like from uh, okay. that sort of perspective. We have other volunteers too, but as a trustee, you're held accountable for the day-to-day running of the charity. So there's yeah. four of us. Three of us went to Uni of Bath, so it's me, okay. Molly, Charlie, and then obviously Ollie as well. Oh, yeah. And yeah, all of us, for all of us, it's a sort of extracurricular thing. It's extracurricular thing. It's amazing. No one within the charity is paid to do what they do, but obviously that restricts us sort of time-wise a lot of the time. So as yeah. we look to maybe expand into the future, we're hoping to maybe get sort of a general manager on board who could take over those sort of day-to-day tasks. But at the minute, it's very much we run this as a side thing. But it's quite a lot of work, but it's rewarding. So it's good. Yeah, I bet it's rewarding. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing, man. Just a question to start us off, because we're going to talk about mental health in general, just what it's like to be a man in mental health and like your personal experiences. So how old were you when you first knew what mental health was, or when it first kind of came up for you? So I'd say it's quite a hard question because I would say looking back, it was probably like early sort of secondary school. So how was that? Yeah. Maybe like 13 around then, you know, the environment being what it was sort of exam stress, all the all that pressures of yeah. growing up. And, yeah. But yeah. 
the problem is that I find it quite hard to answer that question because the whole point of this is that we didn't really have any support available at school so we didn't know what exactly. mental health was so I didn't yeah. know what these issues were and I didn't sort of know how these issues could arise what would like what goes like what happens going forward with that so it's quite hard to actually put it into perspective as to when these sort of mental health the mental health issues I had in the past like when they actually started but I would say yeah. looking back probably around secondary school but I yeah, think there's always as a kid, I was always a sort of a bit of a warrior, I guess. Yeah. But I think that sort of like without having the support and without looking after myself properly, I didn't I sort of manifested into something like a fair bit worse than that. So something that's subtly kind of just built up and built up and then you notice Yeah. And you I, look back on it and yeah. Not having the tools available to me. So like I didn't know what support was available. I didn't know the tools I could use to help myself and like better my own mental yeah. health and well-being. Yeah. without those I think it really not really like self-destructive but more like I didn't really know what I was doing to yeah better my mental well-being yeah that in itself just yeah manifested and made it get a lot worse mm. what about you Ollie yeah I, so I think in point a specific time or I'm probably quite similar to Jack in the sense that like I didn't put a name on it until I was probably sort of 19 18 yeah okay yeah uh, I think like signs were there from the age of about yeah probably about the same age to be fair mm. around like 30 and I think for me it wasn't necessarily that I didn't know where to get support is that I couldn't put a name on what it was right okay, so like yes. I would have feelings and, and like back then like mental health wasn't I don't remember it being spoken about at yeah, all no, no it, it wasn't so I think for me it was sort of it was more not knowing, just feeling a bit like alien. Like the feelings were very far and very alien to me. Yeah, yeah. So think about when those sort of feelings started. That was probably around 13 years yeah. old. Start yeah. Yeah. yeah start, uh-huh. I, I, you know, I can definitely point to certain things that happened in my life that would have triggered it. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's like I couldn't deal with one thing. And so like, I didn't know what I was feeling. And then something else would happen in my life. And I didn't know how to deal with that. Yeah, I didn't know what yeah. It. And it just like, built up. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Until I was probably about 18, which is when it, or maybe 17, actually. And then it started, like, really, I guess, manifesting itself. Manifesting itself, yeah. Yeah, that's quite difficult. Yeah. Just sort of the lack of awareness of coping strategies that you yeah. Nothing like that promoted. I remember being, like about 14, 15, and, like, I first had, like, not a panic attack, but I really struggled to breathe. And I remember I just typed in online, can't breathe, struggling to breathe, because I didn't know what it was. I thought it was, like, asthma or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, it was so weird, because no one had ever told me about anxiety or what it was, and no one in my family talked about it. So I just had to Google it and, like, read it. You don't want to do that. And it's, like, yeah, you don't, you, it just makes everything worse, doesn't it? Like, exactly. on the inter- we grew up with the internet, so you don't you yeah. end up self-diagnosing sometimes. That's the thing. You your conclusion would immediately jump to physical health, whereas yeah, you should always be considered like, is it mental? Is, like, is it mental health? Is it physical health? And there's just yeah. that awareness of mental health. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, what was kind of the decision for you guys to set up a charity rather than just get help for yourself and move on with things? So not everyone is going to go set up a mental health charity. So, well, so, I mean, when was it? It must have been, we were probably 20. 20. 
And yeah, I pretty young. You sort of started some sort of campaign beforehand. Yeah. I was dabbling in it for a while, and I, I'm trying to think back to like why. Why did you actually? Know? What was like the thought processes behind that? So it was one of my mates was like he basically spoke to me a lot about his experiences as me and him were growing up. Yeah. And he was very outspoken about his difficulties. I've got to word this in the correct way because it's quite a sensitive topic how this started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me think about this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah honestly. And we can edit it out if you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, um, it's more because we, we had a bit of a falling out over it. So Should we just skip to when me and you started talking about it? Yeah, yeah. I think we might skip just to skip when to me and you started. Just skip to that. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, carry on. Yeah, so I think, so me and Jack started working on, like, what was to become, like, being well. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably we were about 20. And I think for me, it was like, it almost helped therapise me, right? Yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah. by me doing something and, like, helping out other people, it made me feel better in myself, right? Right, yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like me helping myself. Mm. Right, right. That's quite interesting, yeah. And also, I think it was a bit of like, for me, it sort of opened up the door to allow me to learn things about mental health, right? Because yeah, as we yeah. say, you know, we had to do a lot of research and, you know, we had to really like understand what we were doing and, you know, where the pain points were, where, like where the problems were, you know, yeah. why, why issues were arising. And I think for me, that helped me learn more about Yeah, You guys well. weren't in the same city at that point, were you? Like you were both in separate unis. No, well, like, we actually... So, that was during my placement year at uni. So Oli was ah, in Birmingham. Was okay, close. that year. Yeah, yeah. So it was in that year. And I think I remember having quite like sort of a lengthy discussion with you about it. Like we hadn't really talked about it that much before. And then we kind of did. And you mentioned it was previously called like the Open Minds Project. That was like the old name for the charity before mm. we got registered. It was more of sort of campaign of sorts like a mental health campaign i didn't think we actually envisioned this is going to be a charity yeah and then after we chatted we kind of just started coming up with like a rough plan of maybe like what we wanted to do and we didn't really know whether it was going to be a charity or not i don't think any of us thought that and then (laughs) so naive (laughs) so yeah you read you read back some of what we wanted to do like we were like counseling in all schools which is just isn't possible financial perspective but yeah, I think it just sort of started growing a bit and a bit. And then Charlie came on board. And then about, I think, six months later, Molly came on board. And then I think within about a year of Molly coming on board, we got registered. So the registration process is long. I was I think, just going to ask you about that, yeah. I think it's been in the works. It was in the works just as long as the charity has been officially a charity. That's crazy. We're yeah, working on this behind the scenes, just trying to get it running. Yeah, I'd say it was probably two and a half years from Ollie talking to me to when we were officially registered, and we charity's been going for just over two years. So, like, okay. yeah, it's, That's it's amazing. Such a burner, and it's like you could have all the resource in the world, and it would still take you a really long time. Yeah, but as yeah. it should be, like, it's a very hard process. It's not like it shouldn't be easy to set up a charity no. because you're, right. you're working for the public benefit and. So did you have to present to anyone or how, like, how did you register? It's all done online through the Charity Commission service, but you have someone who's essentially your case officer and they forward and actually like analyze everything that you're saying. And they come back and they're like, we need more information on this. We need more on this. And that's sort of a back and forth for months on end. And Uh, eventually you get there. (laughs) It's just like a lot of quizzing, I think. Just a lot of like, you know, really drill down to like, 
and to be honest it kind of like helped us learn about what we wanted to do as well like yeah when we submitted the charity forms we were like you know we want to improve education in secondary schools and then they sort of came back and were like you know how exactly are you going to do that mm. <laughs> we yeah. were kind of like oh, really good point <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, going through that process we kind of refined what we were like how we were going to do things yeah yeah uh, so yeah it was quite informative really that's sick but, did you base it on a mold of a different charity or is this like a completely new idea i mean we took a bit i guess in terms of like the way we presented, the way we wanted sort of the charity image to look, maybe we took inspiration from some other mental health charities like Mind and everything is all yeah, the yeah, inspiration yeah. for us. Yeah. Like mental health charity, really. Yeah. But in terms of, I think in terms of what we actually offer as a charity, it does set us apart because we're very unique. There's not many charities that focus on the age that we focus on and aim to do what we want to do. So why is like, the age group? Why is the... So our current age group, we focus on sixth form students, that sort of age. So 16 to 18-ish. Yeah, yeah which is quite a key, key time for... Yeah, exactly. There is, like, you see nowadays, you see some support at the lower school levels, like the yeah. younger age. But like primary just school. Our, our main sort of idea there is that everyone at that age is about to head off into their life, whether that be university or a job. Yeah, yeah. might not necessarily have the tools to sort of help themselves and build resilience like they yeah. might not know how to do that and that's something that is so important I don't think that I did before I went off to university yeah I didn't have any resilience in that way so yeah. that's kind of the reason we honed in on that target sort of yeah. age that's really and, interesting and in a way I think we also honed in on that age because we had recently been there right and I yeah think that was yeah so you can relate to that right right and I think that was such a key thing you know like if we ever had speakers coming to we may have had speakers coming to sick form but I can't remember them mm. at all I can't and, remember right right and when you have speakers coming to like assemblies I there's always like this when you're in school it's like you versus them mm. yeah, and them yeah. Is everyone older than 80 <laughs> and you were just and it's like you and like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um so I didn't really take notice of what adults were telling me mm. so yeah. I think you know that getting advice from someone who's been through it recently and mm. knows and, and sort of knows what you're going through to an extent. I think that's really key. Yeah, that's really interesting. A lot from that, and I think that's what we're trying to offer as well by getting so many young people involved. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah. people probably don't know, and you probably don't know yet, but like yeah. we are all our volunteers to run the workshop program are Surrey because currently we're local to Surrey. Our Surrey yeah. University students, so they're um. students at the University of Surrey, so they have a background in it. And they are all aged between anywhere from sort of 18 to 22-ish. For us is what we want. We want young people educating young people. That makes sense, yeah. Exactly. Because we always found that it kind of helps you to relate more to the person delivering the the content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they actually understand what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So what were like the first conversations about mental health like was it like did you approach it in like a light-hearted way or was it like quite serious is this speaking to students or speaking to friends uh, speaking to each other what when we first spoke to each other about yeah yeah yeah. yeah so for me it goes back to that earlier thing of I didn't really understand what it was so I wasn't able to have those conversations until yeah. maybe after I maybe a year into university I yeah sort of 
understand it much better. And I don't think I was able to have conversations that I wasn't feeling great, but I didn't really. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't, didn't really understand it well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, it was, it was very internalised, right? Like I, yeah. I, I know the conversations. And then, so when I was 18, one of my best mates was like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty rough at the minute. It was very yeah. like, out of the blue, right? Yeah, and yeah. He was quite like serious about it. And at the same time, I was feeling pretty rough as well. Yeah, yeah. I had never spoken to, you know, I'd never heard those conversations. Like I never, someone never. had never come up to me and been like, oh, look, I'm feeling depressed or whatever it might be. Yeah. So it was like, and then I was like, oh, I feel like I can tell you now. Like, yeah, I don't feel once like the ice is broken. And it suddenly felt like I wasn't alone in it. It's that it's, exactly. it's the stigma that I think it is getting much better now, but the stigma that existed or still does exist, you just don't feel like you can talk about those sort of things, especially when you don't understand them that well. So, especially when you don't again, understand them. Yeah, again, maybe, maybe it's an issue with men as well. Like boys don't get to express their feelings very often. And it seems so, like a sign of weakness. I think definitely, like absolutely, that's the case in older generations. There's no doubt about it. Like, yeah. like sort of my dad's generation. Like my really, dad's generation, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's not something you really talk about much at all. And but I do think it's considerably better now. I, there's probably still a little bit of a divide, but personally, yeah. from a personal perspective, it's probably just because I've got such a sort of good group of mates, but yeah. I don't find it hard to talk about it at all now. Good, yeah, um, that's really good. Yeah, I recognise that there is still probably a bit of a divide there, but I do think it's still very hard for girls to speak out about it as well. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I think it depends on where and how you've been brought up as well. Yeah. Right, like, yeah. I, I've got some mates who have sort of quite, I guess, traditional family dynamics. And yeah, yeah. So they absolutely feel like they can't tell yeah. their dads. These are male friends of mine. They can't yeah. tell their you know, their dad, how they're feeling. I think for me, I'm similar to Jack. Like, I'm very lucky that I don't feel that just because I'm a man, I don't feel like I can't talk about my... That's good, yeah. yeah. But I'm very aware. That I'm very lucky in that. And yeah. there are a lot of people who don't have this, that same... Who can't, yeah. Yeah, because I, I found it fine as well. Like, I can just talk to my mates. Talk. The hard thing for me was bringing it up to my parents. Because I felt like yeah. I had to be like the old, I was the oldest son basically, and I felt like I had to be the provider of the family. I struggled telling them about it, but my friends, I was always very open, like with all my friends basically. Yeah, that, that's been really helpful. So, have you ever talked to your family about it, or? Yeah. So, again, like I think that's only. I definitely spoke. I spoke to my mates before my family. Oh, your mates before your family, is it? Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure why that is. I think part of it is like not wanting to worry my family. Do you think that's an issue though? Not now, but I think part of me was like, you know, I don't really understand what I'm going through. They, yeah. you know, because of their generation, they haven't really heard a lot about mental health. Like they're not yeah. really clued up on it. So yeah, true. Something that I don't understand, they don't understand it. And so it's not, it's not really going to help anyone. And I, I just yeah, felt like yeah. it would really worry my parents. Yeah. So do you think schools should be more at the forefront of that to like educate people? Is that why you focus on sixth form? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like I think, you know, it would have helped me so much if I had the tools available to me to be able to raise, if I had the knowledge about mental health and the tools to be able to raise those conversations with my parents. Yeah, right? yeah. Had I been able to do that, I'd have been able to articulate myself a bit better. And I feel like yeah, they yeah. understand me, right? 
that's part of the workshop series that we run. We run a session on how to, on sort of relationships and how to speak to friends um, ah, okay. about your mental health yeah. problems. Also, another main goal of the charity itself is that we aim to educate not only just the students, but also parents and teachers through talks. Uh, All together. Yeah. yeah, we have to educate them as well to widen the support network of the students so that it doesn't necessarily have to be the student coming to the parent. It could be the other way around. Okay, it's, okay. It's yeah. more comfortable for them in that yeah. way. Yeah. So I've got another question. What blockades did you face in trying to find help? Or was it like pretty easy to get help once you knew how to talk about it? For me personally, so I actually didn't really get help until two years ago. Really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So like 18, I kind of, I wouldn't recommend doing this, but I self-diagnosed myself. And that was, yeah. by, look, by knowing that other people feeling the same as me, that was enough to make me feel better. Just yeah, yeah. feeling like I wasn't alone, right? So You weren't alone, yeah. And, and you do, and that is just sweeping under the carpet. Yeah, so I didn't yeah. get up until a couple of years ago. And I think, for me, it was, there's so many avenues to get help. Yeah. There, like you can see, you can see counsellors, therapists, psychiatrists you know yeah there's different avenues you can go you can go see a doctor see a doctor gp yeah yeah exactly and i think for me it was you know because i didn't really understand what i needed help with so yeah navigating which avenue to go down was really difficult and there's not like there's not one set route right yeah yeah you're right yeah and it was just a lot of I had to do a lot of my own research. I had to go and look for therapists and see what they specialised in. And yeah, yeah. Sort of, there was so much information. Yeah, a lot of information. What about you, Jack? Did you find any difficulties in trying to find help or was it like an easy process? Yeah, so I'd say there was probably two main points in my life where I tried to sort of seek help. So maybe yeah. I think it was my second year of university and my fourth year. Okay, second to fourth year those were probably the like the worst three years of it by a long way yeah so first of all and second year once I kind of understood what mental health was I decided like I really need to see a counsellor like this isn't yeah yeah this isn't going to go away yeah um, yeah yeah so, you have to face it yeah exactly and I obviously you went to Bath Rehab and yeah I think you also probably went through this process I'm not sure but yeah we, I did I, I did yeah. our counselling at uni and I had two sessions with them and it was just really like personally I found it was really really bad yeah same same really bad support I felt like they didn't really care at all and the I was put on like a waiting list and like on that note actually in Birmingham like the uni I went to the waiting list was like two years or something stupid <laughs> it's ridiculous like, yeah I'm grad for me, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't even a waiting list. It was just the quality of the support I felt was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Essentially, after two sessions, they decided that like I didn't need any counselling. They were just going to refer yeah. me to my service, so I could type in my thoughts into a diary, and then like they'll review it every few months. And that's just yeah. what I wanted. Obviously, it was a free service, so you know you have to. Well, free isn't. We paid. Yeah, we paid. We paid nine grand to go to uni. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I think I thought about the NHS, like really long waiting times because they're really overwhelmed with yeah. So yeah. I went private and as a student, like it's quite hard to afford that. But It's expensive, it's isn't like it? 40, 50 pounds an hour, which like every Jeez. week. I don't think, yeah. But I went down that private route. I think I maybe did probably 10 to 15 sessions maybe over the course of like four months. Okay. And that 
that helps so much. It sort of helps was it CBT or CBT? Yeah, for anxiety, yeah. anxiety and depression, it really helped me to actually understand what was happening and yeah. the tools I used going forward to help myself. I think then following that, I got considerably better for a period of time, and then I went through a really bad time again the following year, and I, let, I let it all go again, which was just stupid. And then the, yeah. the year after that, it kind of just peaked in terms of how bad it was. So. I tried to go down, I thought maybe I should go down the route of medication. So Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question, yeah. Yeah, so I went to a GP and got medication and that really did not work for me. I had just really bad physical side effects. Yeah. Yeah, I ended up at like hospitalised after one pill, so I I just worked out that that wasn't for me at all. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy, that's insane, man. So there's a lot of blockades and then after that I really just... I think I just started to use the tools that I'd learned in counselling before and I used a lot of self-help material and yeah, to be honest, yeah. that kind of worked the best for me and eventually it's just got considerably better since then. It's probably just, I honestly feel like 100% better than I did then. So That's amazing, man. That's really good. In terms of the actual question, like there are a lot of blockades, but like Ollie said, there's so many avenues you can go down. You've just got to try each one and see what works for you because everyone's different and there might be a blockade down one or two avenues. Yeah, yeah. Again, if people are struggling, go to our website, look up the services and charities that we signpost to on there and the self-help material because that's why we've set up the website because it links to all of that and it's all in one place. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your website's good. I've been on it. And we'll link it on our website as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember when I went to uni, this was like first year, I was like struggling with my mental health. And I went into like one of their sessions. The first thing they asked me was like, are you suicidal? And at the time I wasn't. So I said no. And they were like, well, then you don't really need the service. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's- what? But I still need it. I still feel like I'm struggling. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Just because I'm not like at immediate risk doesn't mean, yeah. you know, and then it ended up developing and becoming a crisis at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So if it was prevented at that point, I personally couldn't afford private therapy. Yeah, it should be preventative measures, right. not reactive measures. Not reactive, that's, exactly. Again, that's what we aim to do in our charity. It's all educating. It's not crisis point services. That's not what we do. If someone's that's in not crisis, what you do, yeah. You can refer to someone else. We can't deal with that. That's not... Yeah. We're, we always focus on preventative. Okay. It's such an uphill battle, isn't it? Because like services are so overwhelmed that they can only cater for crisis no, people crisis points. Yeah, yeah. And it's this, it's this vicious cycle that you can't get out of because you can never start doing, you know, or it's hard for charities, organisations, wherever it might be, to start doing the preventative work. Yeah, because yeah, because they're just overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, mental health services in general just aren't funded well enough to provide that level of support, and it's just yeah. such an issue is becoming a crisis in this country and it's yeah now it's, it's not purely down to funding but it's a big reason it's a big reason yeah yeah so what practical solutions does being well offer to like six formers you said something about well-being workshops or yeah so at the minute we basically run a series of at the minute we run five workshops and these workshops are all based on sort of various topics from how to deal with stress resilience you know more general workshops about what mental health is you know yeah. what, what the issues what's it like to get a diagnosis etc yeah. and then we do like a workshop on you know how to talk about your own mental health to like parents teachers yeah. Friends, yeah. whoever it might be 
so and then in those workshops we tend to offer sort of we signpost to self-help tools or we signpost to other charities with really good self-help tools that you know the students can use going forward yeah that's really cool have you like to link to any other organizations or or is that something you do in the future so we're sort of starting the process of working with a few other charities that's sort of so we were first registered one month before COVID hit. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Our first year was just pure chaos. I mean, we, <laughs> I, I can't tried, even imagine. We tried the best we could, but like starting up as a charity is stressful enough as it is trying to get everything organized. Like we couldn't even get a bank account, so we couldn't get funding because oh we couldn't God. go to the bank. We went out outside. So it just spiraled into this enormous list of things that we needed to do but couldn't do. So we couldn't properly act as a charity. But we did everything we could in our means to improve our services during that time. And I think during this last year, since we yeah. come sort of coming out of the pandemic, it's become a lot better and we, we're starting to be able to expand our services into exactly what we envisioned when we started the charity. Yeah. That's mad. Mm. And I think we're realizing that like, it's like strengthening numbers and by collaborating with other organizations and other charities, you know, that's kind of necessary to, expand and get to where we want to be it is necessary yeah i think we're also in the process of trying to start to work with some businesses as well because for fundraising opportunities it's great yeah that's great yeah our resources within the companies because like for example our website is really useful for people either looking for resources themselves or if they have kids of that age then they can yeah. sign posts like that so yeah these are all sort of practical solutions we offer and like i said earlier we aim to educate parents and teachers on the issues to widen the student support network. And yeah, I think those are really the three big services we offer our workshops, educating yeah. parents and our website of uh, website. who runs the website. Is it one of you guys or is that so Charlie generally Charlie does? Yeah. 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 Charlie <laughs> is left to organize all of that, which fair play to him is a lot of work. Yeah. That's uh, fair play. And you've got yeah, social media as well, haven't you? Yeah. And so Alicia, she does our social media and she's great at that. Yeah, look, we think our social media is actually like one of the best out there for mental health. I think it's really good. That's how I found out about your raffle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) It's sick. It's actually sick. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got another question. What is your mental health manifesto? So what that means is, what are your aspirations for the future? What do you want mental health to be like in the future? So I think, to be honest, what sums up our thoughts for the future best is we have like an official charity mission. Like okay, mission yeah. And mission that statement, is, yeah. Our mission is to provide education to improve the awareness and understanding of well-being and mental health in secondary schools and sick forms, empowering yeah. students, parents, and teachers to create a more open-minded environment. Yeah. And I think yeah. that, to be honest, more than anything, that just sums up exactly. That what sums up pretty well. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what we wrote that statement, so we can kind of look back at that and be like, "That's still like what we want to do." That's our aim here. Yeah. Okay. That was worth it. That took a long time. Yeah, it's so good though. So like, it's to, it tells you exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. It, it was so. It was like, should we put and here? Or should we have a comma? <laughs> oh, oh literally on at that level. Mad. So this is a question that we ask all of our guests. What would you tell yourself if you went back in time to the beginning of your mental health journey? You know, like I was saying, I think a lot of my problems snowballed from feeling alienated and alone and feeling yeah. like I was the first on the planet 
that felt anxiety, which yeah. is stupid thing back to yeah, it. But yeah. I think I'd probably go back and sort of reassure myself and encourage younger version of me to have direct conversations with my support. I start building that support network. Support you know, start network, yeah. That support network. I think that's probably what I'd say. And then if I was going to tell sort of my sick form self, which is when problems started arising a bit more, I'd probably convince myself to go and get help there and then. There and then. And just... And also, like, for me, my mental health definitely... It comes in, like, peaks and troughs, right? So, yeah, yeah, mine does as well. Yeah, so I usually have about two years of absolute bliss. And it's almost like I forget <laughs> I ever had anxiety. And I'm like, I yeah. will never go out there. And then it will be something small that I'll just... I'll fall off the cliff for about two months and I'll feel... Yeah awful and so but i always get this false sense of security when i come out of that yeah 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 yeah, yeah I, can imagine. I can't remember who says but it's like that everything will pass right that you, you, you know pass. the bad times like just wait it out like get yeah. out but wait it like it will get better with time yeah, yeah. same thing like in those really high peaks you know not to bring it down on it but to just sort of like it will pass like there yeah. will be troubles in the future like that yeah, is gonna happen yeah. That's so it's a okay. more realistic way to view, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Instead of having these like catastrophic lows and then really high highs, yeah, um, yeah. Sort of myself, you know, remember that everything will pass and time will heal, and yeah, everything will pass. It's like the seasons. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think when you're aware of that and you know it, you then suddenly stop fearing it as much. Yeah, yeah. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think, Jack? Yeah, I think, to be honest, the same. Just, like, don't be scared to go and seek support because that's what I was worried about, like, actually, like, trying to, like, what happens if I'm, get, like, diagnosed with something like I don't want to know I have or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't so, want to face it. Don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just don't, I think just the earlier you tackle it, like, the better it becomes. And now I've realised more than anything, just put your well-being first. So if... Yeah. Like, if there's a situation situation that you know is going to worsen your well-being and it's not just because there's some situations where you don't want to go through it but you probably should because it's going to help you build your resilience yeah. it's going to help you yeah. build your, you as a person and you yeah. should go through situations because that's sort yeah. of exposure therapy. that strengthens you yeah but yeah. there are certain situations in life which are just negative and there's certain like people and there's certain jobs certain people and yeah and just, if yeah. they are yeah. going to have a negative impact on your well-being then just like yeah um, it's yeah. not for you Put your own, put yeah. your own well-being before other people's, really, because yeah. in, in, if you're selfish with your own well-being, then you're not going to fix it. You can't. You're not going to fix it. Yeah. If you're in a bad place. You can't keep putting other people in front of you if you're like you're never going to get out of that. Yeah. 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 If I can add to that as well, like I wouldn't put a timeline on my recovery. Yeah. And all yeah. put rules on my recovery, right? Like for me, sitting in front of the TV. And just binge watching a TV show, you know, is part of like my recovery. I shouldn't feel bad for doing that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you like, shouldn't. You shouldn't feel guilty for that. No. Right, right. You know, it's, it's yeah. If I don't, you know, like when I feel really bad, I know running and exercise is good for me, but maybe I don't want to one day. You know. Maybe yeah, I just want yeah, to. yeah. And so I wouldn't. You know, I just tell myself that you're like do the way you, which you know, recovering the way that works best for you. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. Do, Right, because it's yeah. similar to what Jack was saying. Too. Yeah, I mean, like we speak to so many people, and it's so evident that there isn't one cure fix, like fixes. Yeah, the, there isn't. Yeah, so many different. It's unique to the there. person, isn't it? 
yeah, you've just got you've just got to try them all. Like, there's so many things that don't work for me, and there's so many things I do that Ollie doesn't do, and there's so many things he does that I don't do. So. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd say medication does work for me, so it's, it's, it doesn't work yeah. but for, for others. It does, I guess. Exactly. It, yeah. And for me, from everyone I've spoken to, I'd say it's probably about fifty-fifty. So it's like, really? if it's, it's if it's a resort you want to like an avenue what you want to explore, like to help, then definitely maybe try speak to a GP first, obviously. Yeah. And then maybe, but yeah, it's usually about 50, 50 from my experience. So mm. just That's one of those. Avenues, yeah. 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 Finding what works for you. Like it can be such a lonely period. Like it can be lonely. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, I feel better now cause I'm doing this. And then I'll be like, well, that made me feel worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing out there now, like that's it. Like, there's nothing that could work for me. And actually yeah, it's just, yeah. just sifting through, you know, the endless resources. Yeah. And but once you find it, then you found it. Like that's it, isn't it? Like, exactly. Yeah. 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 I feel like you need to adapt it, right? A little bit. I, over t- I've had to adapt mine over yeah. time. Your life stitched, like circumstances change, don't they? So you get a job, you have to. Yeah. Adapt. Yeah. That's so, true. Yeah. 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 Good point. Point. Yeah. So do you have anything else to add or should we leave it there? No, just, I think, sort of general statement like if anyone's feels like they need support please reach out to like go to your gp like, go to your gp website. we find post to charities who might be able to help if you what's your help. website again our website is www.beingwellcharity.co.uk you can find all our social medias just by typing being well charity we're on instagram facebook linkedin we share the useful resources on there and we link to our website so please feel free to go and look on there and if anyone listening to this is sort of feeling like they're at crisis point, then like please contact like Samaritans NHS helpline. Yeah, like, it's really important that you do that straight away. Straight away, don't delay it. Yeah, yeah, don't delay it. Ollie, thanks, Jack. Thanks for listening to Compassionate Conversations. Make sure you have a listen to our other episodes and don't forget to subscribe. And follow us on at Single Parents Wellbeing. <laughs>